Welcome to this episode of Spiritual Hustle. I'm Anthony Filipovich, and along with Justin Sabinski, we're very pleased to welcome Sharif Surajeldin to the show today. Sharif is a contractor, primarily, primarily in the aerospace defense industry, and he flies his own personal aircraft for various uh, North American relief efforts and to and from the job sites, which is a great way to avoid uh, rush hour. And he's also an avid sailor who has sailed throughout most of the Philippines, parts of the Pacific Ocean, and the Eastern Seaboard. Sharif, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. It's good to be here. Great. Um, we were talking uh, over the last week about, uh, with emails going back and forth, about your strong views on manifestation, as it's, I guess, in the popular literature these days, mostly embodied by the book The Secret, and how misguided that is. And I believe your viewpoint is that the true path is a deeper understanding uh, of the harmony that lies within us. So basically saying that we should be focusing inward, not focusing outward to manifest things outward. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, that's a really good assessment. Um, And not that I'm so much against it. I just think that it's the energy spent focusing on that is, is kind of wasted instead of focusing inward where the true universe really lies. That's, and I, I totally agree with you. And you also mentioned that you had listened to a couple of other podcasts of ours on spiritual hustle and you had gotten the idea that people were talking mostly about um, manifesting outwardly and not the focusing on inwardly. Is that an accurate assessment too? No, not really. It was more that it, it spurred that recognition in me. I, I listened to some overall and didn't really dig too deep, but what it did was spur that, oh, you know, this whole manifesting thing, it's, it's just on my nerves. Um, so it was more not so much from your podcast as it just, you know, pushed that button inside of me. So if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And, and, and you, I've, I've known you for a little bit. I know that you get passionate, especially, especially when those buttons get pressed or pushed <laughs> so explain to us like uh what's pushing buttons yeah what, what is pushing those buttons and when have those buttons been pushed so you know it's funny over the years the analogy that i've come up with and i haven't hardly expressed it to anybody so here you go is is it's kind of like going to the grand canyon as a four-year-old and yelling into the grand canyon and hearing an echo and thinking oh that's the coolest thing and then at six years old and eight years old and 10 years old doing the same thing. And, you know, and hey, that's that's cool. Look at the cute kid doing that. <laughs> um, and then staying there and doing it over and over again until you get it just perfect. The echo coming back is exactly what you want. And it's just perfect. And you're 30 years old. And now people are looking at you and you should be looking at yourself like, really, this is what I'm going to spend my time doing. The Grand Canyon. Yes, it does echo back. Let's get over that and move on. So my analogy here is the Grand Canyon is the universe. And what we're missing is the entire beauty of this Grand Canyon, how we're part of it, how it's part of us. And we're spending our time focusing on this one attribute that it will echo back what we're thinking or yelling or whatever it might be. It manifests what we give to it back to us. But that's only one small part of it. It's not that I'm saying it doesn't exist. It does. But let's move on. Let's grow up. And let's stop using it to manifest for ourselves. And that's my, my qualm, I guess, I guess, with manifestation. It seems to be miss, missing the point. And I do have a point that we can get to later, but this is missing it, I think. It's actually pretty interesting because um, uh, I'm reading 
Joseph Campbell, Hero with a Thousand Faces, and he literally brought up the same um, analogy of, of enjoying the echo in the Grand Canyon and then missing the fact that you're looking at one of the wonders of the world. Uh, and it, and um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I, um, Anthony, do you have any questions for him? The, the, not so much a question, but, but uh, my, my own experience. Uh, I had taken a class a couple of months ago by uh, a gentleman called uh, Joe Dispenza, and it was a week-long course, and, it, it was, and I found it extremely helpful. Um, and, and he had different techniques to, like, for meditation to open the third eye. And through the week, there were a lot of, like, personal stories, obviously, that he imparted. And one of the things that really struck me was he was saying that a lot of people come to these classes, you know, to better their lives in, in different ways, you know, to get things, which is, I guess, a classical manifestation thing. But he goes, once you start doing the meditation, you realize that you, like, your heart opens up and you realize that everything you need is inside you to begin with, right? So there really is no searching for anything outside. Um, and, and I thought that was beautiful because once you realize that, you know, everything is inside, then that yearning to create the Porsche, whatever, goes away. And, and he explained that like in a very eloquent manner. And I think that talks to the point that um, me uh, meditation is so important because meditation, if you do it enough and you stick to it, you come to the realization that everything is inside. So manifesting those outwardly things become less and less important. But at the same time, I think in the Western world, uh, the, the yearning for more material things is what, is what drives most people, right? And and they gets misled by by books like The Secret. But I'm hoping that you know through court, through podcasts like this, we can kind of like get the message out that meditation is extremely important. And, and you mentioned Sharif, like what, one of the meditation techniques that you utilize. We can talk about that later. But once people do get into, into meditation, I think they and they they have a practice that they stick to. They have finally have an opportunity to realize that everything is inside and really understand the basis of what you're talking about. Yeah, and you know that's that's exactly. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I was real curious about we brought up Joseph Campbell. Was that the name of the of the author? Um, yeah, who mentioned and was yeah, that was, the Grand? He mentioned the Grand Canyon also. Yeah. Yeah, verbatim. It was crazy. Oh, interesting. I, I knew that. I knew. I, I didn't think that you you stole it or anything. I just thought yeah, it was now, crazy. You know, those little synchronicities that, that just pop up. And like, wow. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm real interested in that. So I, I was just making a note to to read up on that. Yeah, I didn't steal it. It's just it's. I guess it's just a a thought that's becoming more common, maybe. Or yeah, maybe I did read it and just don't remember reading it. Yes, yeah, but from, uh, uh, his Hero with a Thousand Faces book. Okay. Doing a little yeah. mapping. Um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into this because I, I, I have a few theories on manifestation that have been bouncing around in my head and, um, I'm just going to throw them out there and then, um, and then just, we can, um, uh, then, then throw yours in there and we'll, we can see what, what comes up out of it. Yeah. Um, cool. But, uh, the way that I've been looking at manifestation is, is first and foremost is to, um, it, that word confuses people. So I always just change it to creation. Um, and then it always ends up to get into people's head that it's more like art like it's like you just create something and, and that is manifestation and then it becomes a little bit easier for for people to grasp and then um and then in terms of, of it engaging with with humans it, 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 i feel like humans are either um creating or consuming and and that's like a, a little yin yang going on there 
And um, in order to create, you need to consume because if you're, if, for example, if you're making a, um, um, some art, you need an easel, you need a, a board to, to paint on and stuff. You need things to consume, to, to create. And then, um, and then uh, likewise, once something's created, then you consume it because it's a, it's a creation that, that should be consumed and enjoyed. Um, so the, the first thing that always comes out of, out of there is to focus on the consumption. So it's like, what are you consuming during your day? Are you consuming things that um, nourish, you, nourish you and make you uh, more intelligent, make you feel better, makes your mind um, understand better? Or are you consuming Netflix and, uh, and, um, and the media and, and news and stuff and just stressing yourself out and really um, hurting yourself? And then, and then it goes into, well, are, and then are you consuming more than you're creating? And then like what, what actually defines creation, you know, you, you just kind of, um, you, you can dive down that, that rabbit hole a little bit, but that, that's sort of big picture, um, stuff. Does that, any of that stuff make sense? It, yeah, it does. You know, the only thing that, the only thing that comes to mind when I, when I hear that is rather than consuming, I think it's more like we're transforming. Um, we're, we're not, act, nothing actually goes away and nothing actually gets created. It just gets transformed into something else. So we didn't waste yeah. or use anything. Yeah, it's like um, it, it's like something going into a black hole. It's like it doesn't actually go away. It sort of it, it creates a a, a, a toroidal field and shoots back out, and then kind of spins back in again on the on the other end, sort of something like that. So it's like yeah. it, nothing actually goes away. You need all this stuff to to create. Exactly, and, and then, I mean, and then that processes the transformation. So I like yeah, transformation over consumption. Yeah, and it's kind of funny if you if you look at what we're doing as you brought up humans, but as a humanity, as a species, all all we're doing is moving stuff around and transforming it. I mean, we're moving dirt from one place to another and turning dirt into cement or sand into silicon or whatever it might be, and and then it's going to go back. It might take a billion years, but it's going back into what it what it came from in the first place. Exactly, and that and that's sort of how we're we're a likeness in uh, in God's image because we're doing the same little move, except our movements are a lot tinier. Yes, exactly. That's interesting. You said that about the moves tiny. This is a, a side thing, but when I find myself rushing around, you know, trying to get that extra minute by driving 67 instead of, you know, 55, um, because, you know, 67 won't get me the ticket, but, you know, mm -hmm. 60, 70 would. Um, I, I just, it just, it, it consistently occurs to me that I'm on a planet spinning a thousand miles an hour, rotating around the sun at 10,000 miles an hour in a solar system that's probably going in a circle at, let's just say, 100,000 miles an hour. It's like, really, what's this extra couple miles an hour really getting me? Um, <laughs> we are very small. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. I agree that was a that. tangent, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, I guess what, what you're saying is you look at it as manifesting as, as, the, as one of the first principles of it is you're, you're looking at it more as consumption, meaning that whatever comes into your psyche during the course of the day is used as fuel to manifest the rest of your day. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you could just look at it as, as fuel, um, essentially like whatever, like, for example, let's say in the morning you, you read a book and that's all you do is read the book and then you go to take a shower. All you, that you're thinking about is the book. And then likewise, if you read the book and then jump onto Twitter for two seconds and you see a, a tweet about how, you know, freedom of speech is under attack or something, then all you're thinking about is that. And when I'm, um, when I'm talking about thinking, thinking is a, is, is a type of uh, fourth dimensional um, 
creation, which is manifestation. So you're creating thoughts inside your head based on, um, on you're essentially mirroring what, what you're experiencing out uh, in the outer world. And then when you're taking it in and thinking about it, um, you have to consider every idea or thought or statement that you read or ingest or see or take in goes into um, part of the, the this, um, uh, like I talked about it when we were talking about um, the principles, that this, it goes into this incubation chamber. And just because it's invisible and it, and it doesn't have any nutrients or anything doesn't mean that it's um, does that it doesn't exist. It's definitely happening. It's having a physical effect on my body if I take in the wrong the, the wrong nutrients, uh, wrong mental nutrients. That makes sense. I I agree with that a hundred percent. And I also think that those thoughts that you are generating are actually leaving and creating. And I mean, depending on how focused they are, but creating in their own subtle ways and generating whether it's because your actions change because of them and you're affecting others or because the thought itself is changing the universe, if you will, in a, just a slightly different way because those thoughts are emanating from you. Yeah, it, it blows my mind that I, that I forget this, but it, the concentration is density and it's like literally in the word, like when you concentrate something, it becomes more dense, it becomes stronger. And it's like, so you think something over and over and over and over again, it becomes more and more and more real. And the next thing you know, you're physically doing something out in the real world that's based on a thought inside your head and it's like wow like that that took a lot of concentration a lot of energy yeah and, and that's that's a really good analogy that's concentration that's it that's yeah it's concentrated that's cool juicy <laughs> i like that hmm. sharif do you want to like uh tell us a little bit about the the, the vipassana meditation it, it seems to be like the one thing that you're utilizing now to start peeling away the layers of the, the onion yeah and that's so i enjoyed that a lot it's uh the vipassana it's a 10-day course by genke in the teachings of genke um and i don't know if you can put out web links but it has a website um and it it, it i wouldn't say that it changed my outlook it, it just helped project uh, propel it further along that basically just to give you an overview of the course it's 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 10 days of silent meditation no cell phones no talking no they supply the food they it's all free they supply the food they supply the room and board um and the the schedule is i mean a gong goes off at 4 a.m you meditate you have breakfast you go back for meditation you get a little bit of a break you go back to it's it's Till 10 p.m. at night, you're meditating and taking some breaks. Um, the longest sitting is an hour and a half. But the teachings are looking within. So you're actually looking, observing your own reactions without reacting to them. And as you don't react to them and don't judge them or do anything based on them, um, and I can give some examples, what, what they start to do is dissolve. And they come out in the most bizarre ways, which I can give my personal experience. It's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, but for instance, you're sitting cross-legged, you know, after an hour or after even 10 minutes, it starts to hurt. Yeah. If you don't move, if you don't react to that by moving and just mentally observe that pain, you know, is it throbbing? Is it, is it expanding? Is it contracting? And as you become, as you focus in on that per pain, as, the, as one example, what will happen is without reacting to it, it'll, it'll diminish and dissipate by itself. You do this over and over again for 10 days as you learn the technique. And what happens is all these 
um, aversions or cravings. I mean, some stuff you look at, you're like, wow, I really like that feeling. And some feeling, you know, you may have, you're not supposed to like it or not dislike it. You're just supposed to observe it. But some of them are aversions like the pain. And as they start leaving you, they're, they're called sankaras. But as they leave you, they, they manifest themselves physically. And day six or seven, it happened for me on day eight. I was a little bit behind everybody else. Everybody gets sick because all these cravings and diversions that you're now observing are departing and they show up as they start off as sniffles and sneezes and coughs or sweats or whatever it might be. Um, for me, it was day eight and it was, it all came out all at once. I mean, I was, I was in bed. I couldn't, I couldn't go to the meditation because I had a fever of 101. Um, but they all said, Hey, don't worry about it. That's, that's the stuff coming out. It'll, it'll go away. And it did, um, you know, within, within 12 hours, I was back in the meditation hall and, and, and back at it. It changed how I look at myself, how I look at disease, how I look at colds, how I look at, um, multiple lives coming back it everything became i guess a little bit clearer and we can go into that if you're interested but it yeah it's a great course and i just highly recommend it um yeah i would love to get into like that those uh, those uh, results in a, in a lot more detail especially the ones about you mentioned you had you had a deeper understanding of disease and illness like can you explain that Sure. Um, I think that disease and illness are truly our bodies, our physical manifestation attempting to get rid of things that, that the body, and let me put it to this way, we're, we're just vibrations. I mean, we're complicated yeah. vibrations, but we're manifesting ourselves. I mean, everything we do, just like what Justin was saying, but all those thoughts, they're manifesting, and we're manifesting these bodies, this breathing, this existence, 100% it's nobody outside of us it's nobody doing it for us yes um and we are that energy of the universe manifesting like this so we're also manifesting our disease our illness and it's either from wrong choices or you know eating some things that are bad for us or whatever else it might be something as simple as an allergy reaction to you know to oranges or whatever it might be um all those reactions are our own manifestation <clears throat> and if you sit and observe them they will dissipate. So when I get a cold, and I, literally since I've started doing this, I might, which was four or five years ago, I might have been sick once or twice. And each time it's now, I'm starting to recognize it as that is because of what goes around comes around. I did that. I acted in that way and I, it was absorbed into me. And now I'm trying to expel it as, I, as my body becomes aware of it or my physical being becomes aware of it and tries to get rid of it um, without holding on to it. So, you know, every, every sickness, I think, is like that. And does that make sense? I, I can go in a little bit deeper, but it's, I don't it, know if that was too ambiguous. Yeah, it, it makes, makes – sorry, go ahead, Justin. Uh, yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And I actually – I think that doctors, um, even some mainstream uh, doctors, uh, would, would agree with you. And it, I think that the, where the issue arises is the sensitivity of, the, of this conversation. And it's, it, it's something that just needs to be brought up briefly um, because you'll see this every once in a while where a doctor will come out and say, Hey, you're manifesting all of your diseases. You know, it's dis-ease. It's not ease. You know, you're, you're doing this. And then, and then you, you get this nasty backlash of people who say, uh, Oh, you know, well, my mom is a great mother and somehow she just accidentally got a, a disease and, and she was such a nice person. How dare you say that she, that she did this to herself. And it, and it's like, um, it, 
how 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 do you engage with that um, that that kind of response? So, I mean, outside of I, I try not to. I mean, empathy is how I engage with that because, it, you know, I'm, I'm just at the beginning here. So I, I can't, I have to have, I mean, I am humble about it all. I can't sit in their shoes and understand. I mean, my mom passed away of brain cancer uh, last year and it was awful. I mean, it was the most mm-hmm. awful thing. And to sit there and say, well, mom, you did this to yourself. That I'm never going to yeah, say you can't that. Do it. Yeah. Right. But for me on the personal experience for myself, that's, that's what I believe is happening inside of me. And I think that's as far as I can take it um, I, and for the purpose yeah. of this podcast. I'm expressing that. I agree. Yeah, totally. It, it's one of the, it, it's one, it, it's one of these interesting things that it, if we we're more able to conversate about it, we would able, be able to help a lot more lives, but it, it is a, a sensitive topic to talk about. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, um, it is interesting. It is interesting. I mean, it just, Along this line, it, it did explain one thing, but it also left one question wide open. And I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of thinking that if I bring that up now, we're going to head down a rabbit hole. Um, but we'll I'll touch on it. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you guys, yeah, if you guys want to want to just worry about it or talk about it later or not at all, that's fine too. Um, so one of the things that that came out of this is what you get is you get five minutes a day with an instructor to actually talk and express your questions because it's hard meditation. You start to uncover things. You, you, you might get scared. You might get curious. I, I got very curious. So I'd, I'd schedule my five minutes pretty much every day after, I, you know, after the second or third day when I realized you could. Um, and one of my question is, one of my questions is, does this explain why um, some people are born with disabilities or whatever might be the problem? And is that them manifesting that from a past life? And, and the instructor said, you know, he's, you know, he was kind of not at the same place at all. He was much more, you know, further down the road. But he's like, yeah, without, without saying that as a fact, it is, it's what's, what the whole concept is, is that what you don't get, what you don't deal with in your current life will come over in your next life. And if it's something that, that had thrown off your, I'm going to use the word, he didn't use the word vibration. I can't actually remember the word that he used, but if it's something that put a hole or messed up your vibration in such a manner, you will be affected in your next life, whether it's something physical or emotional or something like that, which I thought was very interesting. Um, and it kind of helped me understand that, that if it's truly true that everything we do is we're doing it to ourselves then sure, why not? That must extend into into future lives also. That must carry over if we don't deal with it in this life. Um, but then it brought up the question, which I asked him and he didn't have the answer. I said, why is the population getting larger? Um, I mean, or they, they, and this is where the rabbit hole is. How can the population be getting larger if it's my soul, you know, my being that continues into a next life then that means it's one-to-one unless from a lower plane, which would be what they said is the animal plane. All these animals are suddenly progressing to be at the plane that we're on. But I mean, this is kind of, this is where the rabbit hole starts. How, how come yeah. we're, we're expanding on the population? Yeah. We're, we're dancing in, in woo woo area. Right. right yeah, exactly. Now. Right. Um, uh, which is fun and, and fine. It, it's just the, it, it's put the little disclaimer for, 
that, that were in Wu, and that and that's fine. Yes, um, and that, and I hesitated in going there. The bottom line is that what I mean, the most important thing about that is that it can come to you in this lifetime or the next lifetime if you so believe in next lifetimes. Yeah, cool. that was an interesting <laughs> topic, though. I, I never even thought about that that way. In, in my meditations lately, um, especially after that week long course I took. Uh, when I get quiet, I can feel I can feel part of me that's really deep inside, and it's silence and it's powerful, and it, and it seems like all of what I've referred to as reality is being created from from that that being that space, and, it's, and it kind of goes to what you were talking about, like everything is created from within, right? But but I've been able to like feel like the the existence of that mechanism inside me lately, and also that. Uh, it's, it's almost like a, a being inside me that's meditating and this meditation is what ends up being my life. Right. And, and the, whatever issues I have, whatever happens to me, illnesses, whatever emanates from, from that same spot. And, and, and I realized this about a month ago and it was, and to me it was a powerful realization because it really brought home the point that, everything is an illusion. Everything is energy. Like nothing is really like physical. And I think everyone agrees with that, but it's all being created from within. It kind of, that goes back to your main point, Sharif, in that there is nothing to change in the outside world. Everything is being generated from within. And when you understand what that, that thing, that that part of you that is generating your reality, if if you can really get down to the core of what that is, that that I think is the central purpose of our, our mission here on earth to, to understand that because that is where creation is being made from. Have you ever sensed that though in your meditations? So yeah, I understand what you're saying. So the end goal of this meditation, if you will, and I mean, once again, I'm very much a baby in all this, yeah. um, is to shed all the pre-programming that all the reactions you have, whether it's an aversion or a or a craving and shed all of those reactions such that you, you are just level with it. Equanimity. You have, you know, you're equanimous with everything that's going on. You don't react negatively or positively to that. And as, and that sounds, as I described that in the early, when I started this a few years ago to my close friends, they would be like, but that sounds like you're being a robot. What's, the glimpse that I get of what's deep down underneath of that, and it's just an occasional glimpse is, is just a clarity of, you know, and this is, as a guy, this is hard to say, but it's, it's just love. I mean, it's, it's, and it's just what the universe, you just get a glimpse of it every so often, or I do at least just fleeting glimpses that it's just a total pure love that is the universe. And that's what's at the base of everything. The pure underlying thought if you will in the universe is love and as we shed all these things that we programmed ourselves with that's what we will become is my belief i don't have any personal proof of that mm-hmm. but that's my belief yeah and i feel like love got love has been trampled on and and misused as a term for so long that like when i talk about that sort of love that you're talking about i always call it unconditional love yeah. love is supposed to be unconditional but we know so many people who love somebody if they did something that they liked or whatever. 
So like I always say, unconditional, when, when it's unconditional love, they can, the person, the thing that you love unconditionally can do Hitler-esque sort of things and you'll still love them because it's without condition. You will always love them. And that's the sort of love that you experience, like where you can love nature and still acknowledge that hurricanes can kill people. It's like, uh, yeah, that's a terrible thing, but I still love nature and I'm not going to judge it when it has a hurricane or, or does something that's, that's violent. That's just part of what nature is. Right. And, um, and that, and that goes into that, that not judging and, and expending energy into, um, emotions is an action where you, where you're in control of your emotions. You're aware that this, that it takes energy to, um, to have emotions. So maybe not have an opinion on what, you know, uh, not have like a, an opinion on, on something that that's not important, like the color of a car or something being like, yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to enjoy the car. appreciate the car, whether it's black, red, blue, or white. Um, but, but when there is something in your life that has meaning, you, you will have that extra energy and understand, um, uh, to focus that energy on, on the thing that, that, that actually, you actually find meaning in your life for. Yeah. So it's, uh, very interesting. It is. You know, one of the things that Anthony brought up is the purpose. And so I hesitate in this a little, just, just a little bit, but there, there's been some great Buddhas, if you will, of the past. And, and it occurs to me that, and the reason that I hesitate here is because if you look at every great um, person or manifestation of, of a person who is somebody that we read about, you know, <clears throat> Buddha, um, but also uh, somebody like Christ, they seem to me to have that complete love inside of them, um, that complete faith, that complete lack of judgment. Um, all of that is is embodied in them. So let's just say that that's where we're striving to to strive to have that level of enlightenment, just for the sake of this discussion, which I think we are, but yeah. um, I am at least. Um, what did they do? And every in every case you see is they didn't create wars. They actually helped people. They tried to show people that this you can achieve this also. And without fail, every single one of them is you you read about them, and they're trying to expand that um, to everybody that we all have the ability to be at that level if we focus and have you know faith and belief and focus. Um, I think that's, I think that's our goal, is to to become that way and then spread that way. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that yeah. That, that that makes sense, I, and I think that's another way of saying what I've what have, what I've talked about in a couple of our other episodes. There, there was one time when I was in India and I was meditating with um, with our teacher at the time, and, and the the mind like went away, like all the ch chatter that's always in your mind was gone, right? And as soon as that happens, your heart opens up. It's like your mind constrains your heart, right? But when that's gone, your heart opens up and your consciousness expands. And, you, and, and, and at that in that state, you realize there's, there's such a difference, like living from your heart on a day-to-day -day basis versus living from, from your head on a day-to-day -day basis, which most of us do, right? It's a completely different experience. And, and, I, and I truly believe that when they talk about the fall of man, it's, it was the fall from living in the heart to living in the head. That was, that was the fall. Because when you're in the heart, it's almost like you're in a place of knowing, 
meaning that any anything you think about, you, you realize that you can do anything. There is no fear. There is no doubt. There is complete. Well, here's the thing. I realized in that state that faith was basically the absence of the mind because without the mind, no matter no matter what you thought or focused your uh, your attention on, you knew it was going to happen because there was no chatter saying it's not going to happen. You know, you're not. You know, you don't have the skills, whatever. None of that's there. So you you were in a state of complete um, faith, right? And in that state, there was there was it wasn't you weren't searching for knowledge. It was like you knew everything you needed to know. And it was from living in the heart. So the, the way I, I try to think about it is if you, if you think about a box has all of the known knowledge of mankind, and that's a big box, right? The intellect can maneuver you around that box to a great extent, right? Like, for example, you're a pilot. Like, there's a lot of things you need to know when you're flying a plane. But to get beyond that box, no matter how big that box is, you have to shed the mind and go more with the heart and expand your consciousness, right? And that's the dichotomy that we all live in. And that's the dichotomy that for someone who has an experience at elevated consciousness, it's really hard to explain, right? Like, how would you explain to someone, well, logic is, is good, but it's kind of confining you in many ways, right? Right. It's really hard to get that message across unless you've had that sense of expanded consciousness, through your meditations, have you had that sense of expanded consciousness? Yeah. Um, so one, just on what you, you were just saying, I agree 100%. And to answer your specific question, yes. Um, and it's, it's more a clarity for me. Um, and that is, as things dissolve, I feel that my boundaries of a physical body kind of disappear and, and I can see the vibrations that are part of right. everything that's that's there, which I think is is a different way of saying what. At near the beginning, uh, be, as you're meditating, you're being taught also, um, and it's it's actually by the the gentleman Ganka. I'm not very good with names, but he uh, he passed away. But he had, it's video now that, well, it was always video that is distributed so that he's teaching from a, from a, basically a video. But one of the things that he says is early on, he says, there's, there's many different methods of, of meditation. There's many different methods of going down this path. And he said, it doesn't matter to anyone, but you, which one you pick, but anyone on if, if you do pick one though, stick with it. Right. Um, and, and stay with that one. Don't be bouncing around a whole bunch. So I just want anybody that's listening. I just want to say that this is just one way this Vipassana. But the way that you were just describing it, Anthony, is another way, too. And they all probably go in the same direction. I mean, I don't know for sure without personal experience. Um, but it goes to that point of you feel yourself dissolving as you expand outside the limitations of what your mind has put upon you, which I think is what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying. It's actually surprising to me that uh, we seem to be agreeing on everything. Like, <laughs> at this point, 100%. I was hoping for more of a fiery, like, debate. And, and you know, we can, we can find a couple out of virtual punches through. <laughs> but but, but I think, think that talks to the point that uh, communication, like, open communication is always critical. And, and you can see it, like, you know, what's happened in the States today, like, that, that is fact the case. But even with us talking about like our spiritual experiences, 
we, we, we view it through our own lenses. And when we think we we're talking about different things, it's only open dialogue and discussion that, that, you know, shows us that, uh, in a lot of, a lot of times we're talking about the same thing. We're just looking at it from a different perspective, which, which adds to the other person's overall perspective, uh, towards that, that, that item, right. Which is, uh, which is how we grow. And, and I think We've mentioned before, like on these podcasts, that there's a lot of different ways, like you were saying, Sharif, to elevate your consciousness, right? And, and I think one of the best ways, and this has become very evident through the podcast, is having like deep, meaningful conversations like this. Just the act of expressing yourself in, in a topic that means a lot to you with other people that co- can contribute to that, that in itself is, is like a supreme meditation to me like every time i get off like these these talks um i feel like i've I've meditated for like for an hour like the same type of um heightened awareness yeah i mean besides the feeling that i want to fall asleep when you're talking (laughs) (laughs) sorry you said hey we haven't dug at each other (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm ready i'm back let's go You know, it's interesting. So, I, I mean, I, I had mentioned that my mom had passed away, and December 2nd was her birthday, and she, we, you had mentioned what's going on in the States, and so she had always really liked Jimmy Carter, and Jimmy Carter teaches Sunday school in Plains, Georgia, and he happened, every like every other Sunday or every second Sunday or something like that, happened to be on her birthday. So I went, um, and it was really interesting. So it's Sunday school. It's very Christian. Um, but Jimmy Carter in teaching, he said, I have, he said, I have no problem with, um, combining the science of the big bang and the creation that's in the Bible. He said, I have, and he said, in fact, I have no problem combining all these things together because it is all the same thing with just different written from a different perspective or for a different type of people and all that. So it, it, it goes to, it. What I'm trying to say is that there's clues everywhere that if we just have open discussion, we're open to the different thoughts, that different ways things are projected, different ways things are written, understanding that this was written for a different time for a different people, and look at the core meaning, it really does all go back to the same thing. And that is, it's, it's all for the purpose of expanding ourselves and understanding every perspective, because every perspective is meaningful. Exactly. If, yeah. yeah every perspective is meaningful that's brilliant yeah no um, wow i totally i totally agree with the so there with you know with what jimmy carter was saying also it, it, there's there's nothing that that's um contradictory when you actually study it and, and, and yes. really break it down and it's, i think even the upanishads like explaining the start of the the universe is almost identical to the the, the big bang so it's just like it creepy coincidences uh, like that are abound in the spiritual and uh, religious uh, area of people's lives. And um, um, on top of that, lost my train of thought, but it was something about um, the, the, like when you were talking about um, focusing on one singular path, um, I would say, I, I would agree. And then I, I, and then add to that also what, what you talked about uh, uh, or what Jimmy Carter was talking about, which was um, about you should check out the other um, methods of yeah. uh, 
meditation and all this stuff, just in case one actually ends up working better for you or, um, or just to see how similar all this stuff is to see just how I felt so much more connected after doing all this work this summer of just finding every little connection that I could between all these religions and between um, everything. And at times it seemed like I was being like this crazy conspiracy theorist because I'm connecting the alphabet and the, the letter A, which is just an upside down ox to all of this other stuff. And, um, and, and it was just to see like, they're, they're all talking about the same thing. It was just like, it's crazy. And, and, and how many different ways there are to uh, reach a, a higher form of enlightenment. And I, and I think that the best example of that is, is Shaolin monks and, and Tai Chi and, and these people who are literally like, it's like, you look at that from the outside, you're like, they're fighting. And it's like, no, they're trying to reach enlightenment. And it, it's like, it's like how, how those two opposite things are, are one in the same. It's just a, um, there's so much cool stuff to learn to when you get into this stuff. And so to just brush it aside as, as hokum or whatever, you're, you're, you're blowing it. You're blowing your life up. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Actually. It's, that's the truth. And, you know, I, I think I'll, all of us have, have spent, the three of us have spent a good significant amount of time investigating different ways and mechanisms and, and all the different conspiracy theories and all that and getting a kick out of it and rejecting some or saying, well, that's probably not for me, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And eventually, and, and I, that's it for anyone listening. Um, yeah, you know, try different things. And then when you find one that hits a chord, stick with it and, and if you've tried enough and you realize that it's probably the one, try to stick with it instead of switching, because switching does set you back. Hmm. Um, but do do investigate to try things out. I agree. Yeah, and I, I agree with that 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 other that warning. Like once you get you, because like I I got mine with Wim Hof. Like I I love. I I was able to I'm able to hold my breath over four minutes now, and the idea that like. Like, and I know people who can hold their breath for, for way longer than that, but it was like, there was always this four minute mark for whatever reason in my life, a hey, camp counselors would tell you, Hey, if you're, if you hold your breath for four minutes, you get brain damage. And you, you just hear these things time and time again. And then, uh, and then, but then you hear about someone holding their breath for 21 minutes. as like the, the world record. And you're like, so someone's lying to me, you know? <laughs> yes, and then, right. and then you get to see it for yourself and like prove to them. It's like, I didn't get brain damage. At least I don't think, um, from holding my <laughs> breath over four minutes. But um, it, it's, it, it's all about just, uh, you know, um, Anthony, you got anything after that? Uh, the, the one thing I would like to add to this is um, it, it goes back to your biggest life lesson, Sharif. You mentioned that uh, your biggest life lesson is taking responsibility for everything that uh, happens to you, right? And I think the analogy you used is um, when you're flying, no matter what happens as a pilot in command, you're responsible and you should treat your life in that manner. Right. And, and I think, and I think that you need to take that responsibility first and foremost, before you even like start trying any of these different techniques. Um, because what my experience is, if you don't, then the techniques won't be effective for you. If you do take responsibility, then they will be. And the, biggest reason for that is like when you when you are in that 10-day retreat 
stuff comes up, shit comes up, right? And a lot of times when that shit is coming up, the first thing you want to do is run, right? You want to run to a comfortable place, back to your hotel or your house or whatever, where it's nice and comfortable. You can turn on the TV, watch the regular daytime TV show that you usually watch, get back into your comfort zone, right? Um, but those are the times when you have to say, this is my life, and I take full responsibility for it. If I want to create something if I want to be a better person, no matter what that better is to you, then you have to go into that area that's not comfortable. And these meditation techniques will take you into those areas, definitely take you into those areas, right? And the only way you can survive those experiences is by taking 100% responsibility for everything that happens to you. And I mean everything, right? Like I look at the world has an interplay, a dance of energies, right? So even if some guy comes down the street and hits my car, and on some level, I've created that, right? That's my you own drew that to you. I drew that to me. Like through the law of vibration, that happened, right? Because since everything is energy, if that vibration wasn't happening, that would not have come to me, right? So I take, I take that level of responsibility because I believe it's the, the accurate level of responsibility to have in your life, right? And right. That is first and foremost for any progression, any involved, like evolving on the spiritual plane, you have to take that responsibility. I agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's my, if I had one thing for my mantra, if you will, and that is self 100% responsibility for everything that happens right. to you or that you do to others. And every feeling that you have, every but positive or negative feeling, whatever it is, every hatred, every love you have, it's you're generating that. You made that. Um, I do want to go back to something Justin said about about the uh, the four minutes and you know, get brain damage and somebody is lying to us. And I, you know, it's one thing that occurs to me, Justin, when you said that, is that it's it's not so much lying as it is they're just repeating what they were taught. Mm-hmm. And That's over lying. and over again. I, I don't. It, I don't play that bullshit. If you don't know they, what you're talking about uh, and you're saying it, then you're a you're a liar, whether you're, you're you know it or not. Yeah, I agree. And 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 it's the funny thing is, is that with the personal and, and if you tell somebody when you say, "Hey, what personal experience do you have with that?" That four minute mark. Well, no, I read it in a book. Yeah. Well, where, <laughs> who who wrote that? You know. Well, it's in a book, so it must be true. It's on the <laughs> internet, so it must be true. Yeah. But it's there's so much in this world, especially in the States anymore, that is just based on, you know, I saw it on Twitter or I saw it on Fox <laughs> news or I saw it on CNN and it just rolls on itself. So the personal experience is the only thing you can really count on as 100% true for you. Yeah. And then being responsible with that, it, the responsibility is like the, that should be step one. And it, the beauty of, of responsibility, too, is that it, it sounds like, oh, this is going to be such a burden. It's going to like my life. I have to be responsible for all of this stuff now. And it's and it's the exact opposite of what what everyone's been taught, which is like that more responsibility means more burden. It's like it frees you from everything, everything in your life that you're you now have control over. It's like any sort yes. of situation like this is it's on you. It's like that is so relieving to not have to worry about anybody else except for myself. Exactly. Yep, yeah, that's exactly it. And that, that responsibility is everything. Um, one of the things that came up in the course is, is they pointed out that the reason you know that it's personal, that it's a personal experience, is you put four people in the same situation. And one of the examples they brought up is, you know, there's somebody lying on the ground in front of you, and you're walking with three of your friends. 
and you're walking along and, and the first person says, says, oh, you know, that's, that's my drunk son-in-law and kicks him because he's just frustrated that his son-in-law is, you know, is drunk again. Yeah. And another one says, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, that person's hurting. You know, then they stoop down to help. And the other one just says, well, you know, it's a drunk, it's somebody, I don't know what the deal is, steps over them. Same situation, but totally different reactions. Every single person there is reacting based on their internal um, philosophies, ideas, and they're each responsible for how they're reacting to the same situation. Um, and so it's absolutely self-responsibility is, is key. I like it. And, and that, that brings up another interesting point is once you accept uh, self-responsibility, then the next thing that, that I came across is mm-hmm. like in any situation, like the situation that you just like uh, identified, Sharif, where there's a drunken guy in the street. When you come across that situation, I found it, and I still find it difficult to, to know what is the right action for me to do in that situation. Like, for example, when you see um, like a homeless person asking for money, like it, I can tell like some, some really don't need the money. Some really do need the money, and the ones that that feel do need the money, like oh, I'll give them money, I'll buy them some food and stuff. But there's a lot of ones that I just don't know whether they're lying, they're not, what I should do, right? And, and that's just an example of of situations that go across the spectrum of life experiences, right? So what I'm trying to get to, like unravel the onion, so that I can understand, like at any point in time, like in the moment, what is the right action for me. I think that that's the next thing that I'm working towards. Do you understand what, do you understand what I'm yeah, talking about? And, and that's like, it's, it's a really tough thing because yeah. I'm, in the, I'm in the same place. It's like, how do you react to that? And I don't know. I mean, it's because what is the right thing? And I presume if we, or if I get to a point that's total enlightenment and I can see it, it won't affect me either way. It's the situation that he's, they're in, but I just see a yellow light instead of a blue light. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I just see vibrations that are different. They're on their path and it isn't, it isn't something that affects me so deeply as in feeling sorry for them as more understanding that they're in this position and whether I do something or not, it's just interaction of energy. Maybe, I don't know. It's something, see there's something on that line. Yeah. But I don't know what it is yet because I'm not that far along. So, and the reason I bring this up, like, there have been a lot of cases where I try to come from a place of like empathy and I'm in a situation, but I, I'm trying to like be decisive too. And, and then I'm, I'm with a group of people, it could happen at work where we go, okay, let's do this, do this. And I kind of like push an agenda. And then it isn't until like maybe a day, a week later, where, I, well, when I'm doing that, People push back and I start thinking, you know, you're an asshole, but I don't say it. I, I try to like breathe through it, right? Try to breathe you don't have to it. say it, Anthony. We can read it in your face. I know. The <laughs> <laughs> neon sign, you're an asshole. <laughs> and it's not until it's not like a day later, or maybe a week later, maybe a month later that I realized that I was the asshole in that situation, right? And, it, and, and so here's, here's in that trick, moment, Anthony. I had no idea. Here's the trick. You're always the asshole. It just takes, it just takes <laughs> longer time for you to realize. 
So is that directed towards me personally, or is that a general statement? General oh, no, you personally. <laughs> I, I, and I agree 100%. <laughs> I think of anything that could be a lesson of this podcast, it's that. And uh, Justin said it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you've heard Anthony, how Anthony, uh, his first words to his future wife was, right? You want, no. You want well, to tell yeah. that story, Anthony? No, I'm not a skip. I don't know that. why. I just love this story. Where that, that puts me in a bad light, so I would just rather move on oh, to Oh, it's topic. huge. It's cute. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, can you say tell the story, please? Uh, I believe you're referring to the story where uh, I met Fatima. Yeah. Sharif knows Fatima. I had met okay. Fatima in India. And uh, back then she was saying that uh, she was doing like uh, readings, like um, angel card readings, right? And, and the only thing I thought was, uh, can you make money at that? And I said that, right? And evidently, <laughs> evidently that stuck with her. Because I, I knew a lot of people who were trying that and none of, none of them made money, right? So it seemed like a logical question to me. But she brings it up periodically. And I guess she had obviously brought it up when you were on the call one day. I, I, I like the, how, the, the story of how you guys met and everything. It's, it's a good story. You guys met in India, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That in itself. Just location. Meditate, meditate in India. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, so, Sharif, one of the things you mentioned that uh, your methods for mastering your life is good grammar, which, which I'm still working towards. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Bastard. Yeah, I, I ain't don't not talk no good. <laughs> now, is this your question number six? What methods are you using of to master your life? So I couldn't help but dig in a little bit there. So the, the reason I bring that up is uh, Justin introduced me to the, the Trivium. Are you familiar with the Trivium? No. Justin, do you want to like give us a quick um, outline of that? Yeah, sure. It's a originally right when the Enlightenment actually started. It it was it was started because of the trivium, and that's what they taught in school. And in the first three things that people were taught were grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And um, it just basically laid the foundation for people to intake. Uh, it essentially is is how the mind thinks, and when when. They were able to teach this uh, en masse. They, they were able to educate a lot more people a lot faster. And then um, by the 1900s, because this was between the 1200s and the, um, and the 1900s, between those, that, that time, the greatest amount of growth in, in, uh, uh, in terms of um, Western materialism and, uh, and, and the scientific method and all that stuff, it really exploded during that time. And it was because of the trivium, and it, it got so big that they... Um, they had they had to get get it out of the schools because it was it was educating people too well. Um, then that's when they switched to the Prussian model and all that stuff, and now we got this whole mess. It's just not teaching anybody anything. Um, but the first thing was grammar, and I guess that that's what Anthony's alluding to. Right. Can you give us can you give us an example? Um, yeah, sure. So so there. Well, there's there's two types of grammar. There, there's there's uh, special grammar, and then um, and then there's general grammar. And um, the normal grammar that everyone's used to is is like how to make sentences work, and you know, basic stuff that Anthony definitely failed in in grade school. 
And then <laughs> there's this other piece of grammar um, that, uh, which is general grammar, which, which teaches you, uh, it basically it, it helps explain how you individuate things and, and how you separate things out and, and like what's the essence behind what makes a chair a chair. It's like how much you can dig into, you can dissect a chair as many, as deep as you want. There, there's not going to be like a sign that says this is a chair, but you know, it's a chair. So what makes it a chair? Like locate that, uh, that essence. And that's what, that's the, that would be the essence of what grammar actually is. Um, and for whatever reason, it's been completely obliterated out of, out of what they teach actual grammar. But um, uh, is any of this making sense to you in, in, in terms of uh, like metaphysics or anything? I guess I'm missing a little bit of the connection. Try, try it again. Um, I'm trying to see what, what, uh, what connection are you looking for? I don't think it's looking for any connection, but I, I'm trying, I was bringing up the, the, the issue of grammar, right? Um, which Sharif obviously thinks is important, but there's a deeper meaning to grammar too, right? That's, that's ex exposed in the trivium. Mm-hmm. So I, I was hoping that we could kind of explain that yeah. to him to, to add to his knowledge of grammar. Okay, yeah, I'm, so, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm actually leaning this. forward. I'm very interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying I'm to make this so I, so I don't... So up until now, you weren't so. interested, you bastard? Boy, you were talking, my sir. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this, this is the Riff on Anthony show. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, the reason why I, I was trying to cut it down to its bare essentials because... Without getting into logic and rhetoric, it, it, grammar seems a little like, like what, what does this have to do with anything? But it, it's like, it's basically like, in order to use logic, you have to use words. And what that means is that you have to know what these words mean. So that's what grammar is. And then um, grammar gets a little bit deeper when you start um, breaking things apart and really trying to understand their meaning. Like, what does it mean? going back to the chair, like, what does it mean to be a chair? And you yeah. just start describing what a chair does. And, you know, you, you sit on it and, and then you go, okay, is that a chair? And you point at a table and you're like, like, that's a chair. And you're like, no, 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 that's a table. Like, well, yeah. You can sit on that. Like, why isn't that, a ch why isn't that a chair? It's like, well, it can be a chair. So it, it's, it's, it could be a chair, but it, but we use it as a table. We don't sit on tables. We sit on chairs. Um, and it's two things as basic as chairs and tables. You can tell that if you start talking about the differences between genders and stuff that, that you, you really start getting things really confused if you don't understand really deep meaning towards um, uh, basically descriptions of what things are and what things aren't. And right. this whole separation and individuation um, uh, gets nebulous and um, it, it, so it always ends up going back to, well, I'm trying to use logic. And in order to use logic, I have to know what every single word actually means and why it means that. And then that's how you get like these like volumes of, of books, of like dissertations on like how Rome fell. And like, it's like, why do you need 68 volumes of, of um, the, the rise and fall of Rome? Um, like if you're just trying to explain like why it fell, it's like, because you have to define all of these terms and truly understand them. And then you, you put in the, the little logic of, of, um, of the therefore, like this happened, this happened, this happened, therefore this happened. But you have to know all of these definitions um, to actually understand what you're talking about. 
and um and, and then that's only to the logic part then once you have the the rhetoric part then it then it really starts getting um crazy because then you're throwing in um uh, pathos ethos and logos and you're utilizing both grammar and logic uh basically to describe the world around you and that was the original reason for why we started talking in the first place like 200,000 years ago was because we needed a way to describe the world around us that made sense for everybody. And, um, and yeah, and it all started pretty much with grammar. Um, right. cause this stuff had to be structured. And then that's, well, that's where it kind of got crazy because grammar is almost in line with, with base, with like the, the 10 basic, uh, the prima genera of, um, of everything that, that is the, um, that, that makes up the universe is described by uh, grammar of, of verbs, which is taking action in the world and then um, of adjectives describing the world and, um, and then the object itself, the noun, the, uh, the, the person, place or thing that you're actually describing. Um, and then it gets into this whole subject predicate thing that's been going around for like 2,500 years, basically since Aristotle. Um, and, um, and then it also, then it, then it devolves into like, what is the difference between the subjective and objective and um, and all this stuff is pretty crazy and deserves about um, two and a half hours of of dissecting, not ten minutes, but that's yeah. kind of the the broad view of what grammar is and what it does. It's basically the building blocks to everything. And right, but it it looks invisible because we're saying them as opposed to or, or writing them. It, it, it just doesn't seem physical, but it or or that it that it manifests, but it does. Any of that makes sense, or is that just yeah, actually. Out? That, that that makes sense. Cool. Is that what you're talking about when you were making fun of Anthony about his grammar? No, no actually, no. that's much no. deeper. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was just, <laughs> I was just making fun of the fact that he used two prepositions in a row that made no sense. <laughs> but that was just for that. All right. <laughs> 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 So what do you got next, Anthony? I'm thinking, um, going back to manif manifesting again. Yeah, um, let's, that's a good idea. Let's go and find out where we don't agree. Yeah. Well, how I think that'd be possible. Could, yeah. Based on everything we saw and what you said in the last minute, uh, I, Thinking about it, I can't think of a place where we do disagree. Where did you where Where did you think Anthony disagreed, or where did you think you disagreed with Anthony? Actually, I, I think we're pretty much in sync. I mean, I did I, take well, us down that rabbit hole, but yeah, other than I that, mean, I guess yeah. I guess because um, you know I've been talking with Anthony for like uh, pretty much a year now, and um, and I know that he's he's not your typical new ager. Um, that was the first thing I noticed. Um, like, I guess we could kind of straw man, I guess, um, uh, like what a typical new ager, like would, would think of like the law of attraction and, and sitting there and just thinking or hoping that you're going to get a Porsche in your car and then not even taking any action towards doing it because, um, cause you don't have to, cause the law of attraction says that all I have to do is think about it. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing that's. I don't know. The whole vision board thing is it, like we said, it's on my nerves, but you know, it's funny with, with Anthony, it, 
I mean, he and I have always have talked about this over the years. We have been out of touch for a year or two or three, maybe. But in general, I think we're all we're all taking paths to the same place, and it's just a matter of our personal experiences getting there, rather than where we think we're going. And I think we're heading or trying to head to this to the same kind of internal understanding, oneness with the universe, oneness with everything else. Um, which I guess is the same thing. And that's where we're going. So it might be hard to disagree, given that context. And given my deep desire to disagree on some level, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the fuel to my day. And the only reason we went into the pick on Anthony phase is because he brought up how we weren't fighting at all. So I felt the need to just pick a couple fights here and there since then, which was... I, I just pick on Anthony because he laughs when I do. So, <laughs> all right, he's so yeah. nice about it. Yeah, but he cries later. Fatima <laughs> will call me and say Anthony's crying again. Don't do that anymore. She'll say, "Wait, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony can't play with you anymore." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so here's a question: You've obviously spent a, like all of us on the call spend time with working on yourself, peeling away the, lo- the layers of the onion for lack of a better metaphor, it seems to be the popular one on this podcast. What, what I found is I've gone away like uh, to India, whatever, done my meditations, feel like I've made huge um, progress in, in a lot of different areas of my life. And then I, then I come back to basically the same life in regards to what I'm doing, where I'm working and, and slowly it's a situ- my, my situation kind of converts the energy back to what it used to what it was, right? I can't keep that level of energy and have that energy influence my outer world for some reason. I've always found that to be a challenge, right? So what I've tried to do instead is instead of try, trying to do that like forcefully, trying to, I've tried to identify ways of being that would facilitate that energy staying with me no matter where I am. Right. And, and those ways of being um, I've identified as being empathetic towards people, right. Trying to actually like really help people like being of service, no matter what situation I am, I'm in, especially in the corporate world. Cause I always found that to be a challenge, but taking that attitude into, into the corporate world too. And humor, humor seems to like help everything become more lightened, right? So I've been following these general principles and I found that having these principles makes it a lot easier to keep that energy level up in any situation, like guidelines, goals, values, whatever you want to, want, want to call them, right? And that dedicating yourself to those values is what I've found to be like the best means or the best way to, to elevate my consciousness in the corporate world, which is probably like the one I have the the hardest time in. What is your experience like in regards to your spirit, like meditation and everything, how you, how you take that into the corporate world? Cause we know it's challenging, right? Yeah. So I, I, presume you're asking me, not Justin, although if Justin wants to answer it, that's great because... Justin's ever worked for a corporation. Uh, <laughs> I worked for uh, Meditrading Shipping. I was an intern in, in accounting. That's when I found out I was never going to do that ever again. 
It only took two months. Two months. Yeah. Sarif, just so, yeah. just so you know, Justin used to be like, a, he's a little bit, well, he's a, had an IT startup for a while. And then he was a pickup coach in Vegas. So if you need any any pointers on how to find those, like pick up those girls in the bars, you can give him a call. I think he's good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. For real? I mean, is that, you, there was, you're a yeah. pickup coach? Yeah, one of my, um, one of the guys I was doing it with, um, he might actually be on this uh, podcast. He, he, he worked, uh, he was a Chippendale uh, stripper for a little huh. bit too. It was a good time. So not to mimic one of Anthony's questions to Fatima Erland, is there money in that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a multi, you'd be surprised uh, how many uh, nerds can't get laid and who have made a lot of money. Huh. Actually, you wouldn't. That, that sounds very normal, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, it kind of does, but I, that's really fascinating. That's fascinating. And is that what your title was? Was a pickup coach? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I always called myself lifestyle development because you you quickly realize that you're not really teaching guys how to pick up girls. You're teaching guys how to be normal or how to have fun um, in any situation because clubs yeah. clubs are the worst place ever to try to have fun. Um, I, I don't know who designed them and who thinks that this is enjoyable, but it's not. But if you can have fun in a club, you can have fun anywhere. And so it's like right. a it's like a test. It's like a it's like a test to see. If you have fun in a club, then you're going to have a great time at at, uh, at the grocery store and, and stuff like that. So there's not going to be any loud music. You're going to be able to hear people when they're talking to you. Wow, this is this is nice. Um, but it, but yeah, it's usually just trying to get people to to relax and, and realize that it's okay to show emotion and energy and uh, out out in the real world. Well, of all the things, that sounds like the most enlightened path there is. <laughs> that's, well, that's the reason why. That's why. Yeah. It really does. I I I, su I suggested and uh, and I've suggested to a lot of people that it, because you see this with a lot of pickup coaches is they they end up becoming more spiritual and it's because I think that approaching a woman I don't think that there's um there's a, uh, I, I think it's up there on the list of things that can help you become enlightened because it's an instant feedback a a woman will give you instant feedback as to whether you're a piece of shit or not and it's all it's it'll be before you even open your mouth sometimes where they'll be like. Uh, no, you're not. Go away. You know, yeah. And, and you have to recognize that and be okay with it and either move on or press through that and have the social awareness to do all that stuff. It takes a lot of thinking and women are a lot more, uh, are a lot better equipped for that sort of stuff. So for, for a guy getting in, into that stuff, it's um, very interesting. And all the things that women are attracted to are things that men can improve upon. Women like humor, you can become more funny. Women like confidence, women like money. Um, all of these things None of these things are like uh, women need you to be a certain height. No, no, they they like confidence, money, and humor. So you can do those three things, and in fact, you can fake those three things too. So it's like, um, and and faking is the first step to making it. That's that's fake it till you make it. You know. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, I do not regret any of that. That was a good time, definitely. Yeah, that, that's that's fascinating. Huh. Well, yeah, go. Ahead. <laughs> Yeah. So that's a little tangent. Let's, let's yeah, get us back on track. We were about before that. <laughs> I was asking Sharif, how has he, or has he been successful in taking the spiritual development into the corporate world? And to answer that, the, the answer is I haven't been very successful at it. Um, it's, it's tough. I, I'm, yeah, it's tough. I, I'm, I'm, I think you had mentioned it, and I think I'm on along those lines as said. It, 
it doesn't seem to take very long before the the calmness and peace that I have from meditating dissolves. You know, the minute I see an email that just frustrates me or something like that, and that's right, it, it, it disappears too quickly. Um, it, it does occur to me. I mean, what I'd love to do, if I just had the guts to do it, is go off on a you know on a one year um, meditation spree where I didn't have anything. But boy, it's hard to leave the stuff that I have to do that. I mean, I could, but that's what it seems like it would take. I mean, it, just thinking about this as we're talking about it. Hey, Sharif. Yeah. Sharif, we're losing, you, we're losing you a little bit. Can you get a little closer right. to your mic? Your audio, yeah. How's that? Is that better? Um, can you get closer? Well, it's... Uh, it's, there, it's is that better? There, it was, yeah. How about that? That's perfect. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I was leaning forward. So I think that moved my, I have a, uh. I have one of those LGs that goes around my neck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So I, I don't know how much of that got lost, um, but basically it, it's hard. And I would like to take a year to just focus completely inward, do this, do this meditation and come back such that such that I'm at a plane or a level that it doesn't affect me, that I can maintain peace and be equanimous with everything that happens. But I, I have a tough time with that, Anthony. It yeah. does occur to me that the, the, that the great Buddhas, if you will, that you read about, they all went off, you know, mm. they all did their, whatever it is, you know, their, their time in the woods, their time in the desert, whatever it might be. And they, um, people started coming to them and they didn't have much right. or they gave up what they had. It's just hard to seems hard to take that step. Anyway. It's really hard to take that so, step. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, to me, I think at this point, like you, you would need to take like a year off and like, and completely submerge yourself into that. And then when you, when you did come back to the world, it would have to be like in a different capacity. Yes. Right. Right, so you yeah. would have to figure all that out ahead of time. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the things I've been grappling with for the last fifteen years. Like, you why, get these high moments and keeping them. Anthony, why do you think? Because um, you've asked this question, this, that's like your number one question, and um, no one's really been able to answer it. Do you think that, um, or why do you think that that corporations are so spirituality crushing? I think because uh, no matter what it looks like on the surface, the underlying factor driving everything is fear from the corporations. Mm. And I, I, well, I don't think it's the corporation that's driving the fear. I think it's we're driving that fear. I mean, mm. I'm afraid to not have this stuff. I mean, I, you know, I yeah. sit in front of a computer with an iPhone going and an iPad next to me that's got notes on it. And I mean, this is, you know, this is what I'm comfortable with to, to give up all that, to not have this place where I can come back to, yep. to that's we, I think internally I'm just a fearful child. That's afraid of, of stepping out from that. And but I think I, that's what stops it. And, and, and I am too, that, that definitely is the root of it. But what I was, what I was referring to in, in fear, like when you look at the hierarchical structures and most corporations, there, there are, a lot of like the reporting and the work is driven by people's fears of losing their jobs. And, mm -hmm. and I, and, and I've had, I don't know how many people like that I've led teams where, uh, and it's very infrequent that you have like high 
performance teams, right? Where everyone's kind of like doing their job and, and you and everything's running and, and, and it's collaborative and people are, there's a synergy and people are feeding off each other and they're moving forward, like in a coordinated manner like that, that in my experience is rare. What usually happens is you, you get a team and you get people who don't do what you ask them to do. Right. And it's yeah. not, it's not until you escalate, and they're fearful of their management knowing or their management says something that action is actually that any action is done. Right. Um, so th- I would say like in, in organizations, maybe 75% is fear driven from what I've seen lately, 30, 30% is people actually wanting to do a good job and following through with that. And well, that's what I, you mean. know, that that's, a, this is interesting. So I think we're at, we're at a point where I, I might just, disagree with you a little bit here i i mean that exists everywhere and yeah. the bottom line isn't that i mean corporate or not corporate the bottom line isn't that that's the environment the bottom line is that you're you're subscribing to that environment that you are not removing yourself or meditating beyond that and it's a fear inside of you that reacts to that environment but yeah. the bottom line is why why are we working i mean i'm working Money. because i like the stuff yeah um and if if I didn't have that like of the stuff that you know craving of this stuff, I wouldn't I wouldn't have to work, and I could focus inward. But I'm choosing to do, you know, make the money so I can buy the stuff, fly my plane, whatever it is, rather than forget that I'm going to meditate on a hill somewhere where I don't need all the food and all the, you know, all the money and all the plane and all the you know motorcycles and all this other stuff that I got. I mean. I think the bottom line is that it comes down to a personal choice that we choose to be in that environment because we want the benefit of, of the toys that we get out of it or the lifestyle we get out of it. There's definitely a consent to definitely. it. You know, it's not slavery. You can definitely leave whenever you like. Yeah. It's one of these, it's one of these douchey, like I, I, it's one of these things where um, like the, one of the top execs of Google said, um, like, oh, well, if you, you know, if you don't like the way that we're doing something, then then use a different website. It's like, well, you own all the top websites except for Facebook. So, you know, you're, you're really saying um, to go fuck yourself, except to, except in a, in a legal term. So it's, yes. a, it, it's one of it's one of these catch 22 issues It's like, um, is there a middle ground between going off into the forest and eating maybe once a day and um, um and or working at, at a corp, big corporation and or balancing and having, yeah find a balance between uh, yeah and i guess that's the that's the core of it that's the core question is there a middle ground and and maybe maybe there's not i mean what about I, entrepreneurship I, what, what about avoiding big corporations the second whatever you're involved in becomes big you just get out of it well you know, it's funny. I I just don't recall Buddha or Christ having a corporation, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, or building. It, it, I mean, I didn't read about that. Maybe they did. But well, Jesus said his apostles. That's twelve people right there. That's already bigger than any company. I, I, would, <laughs> I would subscribe. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. And some of those people were assholes. <laughs> <laughs> At least so. One. It must have been stressful. <laughs> 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 is, it, is it stressful if you know exactly what's going to happen like you're going to betray me and you're going to deny that, that you were friends with me uh is that stressful that you know that 
Well, I anyway. guess it's not stressful. No, that's a good point. I mean, I guess it's not stressful if you know, if you truly know where you came from and where you're going and what you are. And I mean, on a more universal tone, not, not just a, a Sharif having to talk on a podcast. I mean, if you yeah. really had faith that you knew where you were going, what did it matter? I mean, so it's just some drama that the humanity is playing on you. I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is going in a circle or not, but maybe I think my contention or my thought is that you can't do both. At, you can't do the meditation part-time and live in the corporate world part-time and expect mm. one not to override the other or one not to ruin the other. Yeah. That's like, um, that's like manifestation stuff. It's like, um, or cause and effect. It's like you can't, if you want a certain effect, um, uh, then you do the things that cause that effect and working in a corporation does not cause the effect of enlightenment. So you can't expect to oh. become enlightened by being Perfect. in the corporation. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an excellent way to put it. So there's your answer, Anthony. Uh, I suck at it, and, um, and the only way out of it is if I go off on a mountain somewhere and just meditate for a year. <laughs> what, what about, well, problem solved? There, 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 is <laughs> there is another potential avenue that I'm exploring. Bringing my, like, to personally defining my own values and, and living those as a primary way of being in the corporation. Again, using empathy and being of service. So I've started tr uh, trying to do this in the last month um, with, with mi mixed uh, results. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing that, like, like applying those values and making those values paramount, like uh, has in my work and I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, that would be good. The The thing is, is that your goal at your company, is it to spread enlightenment and enlighten yourself or is it to make money for the corporation? My personal goal? Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. My goal right now is is uh, to generate funds to support our way, uh, our life and to be of service to the people around me even like that's even paramount beyond like, you know, meeting budget and goals and uh, schedule goals, being of service to the people around me and how, and bringing empathy in, into the workplace and humor. Those are my primary goals. So the goal of making money and profit for the corporation, what if it's at odds with providing empathy and kindness to the workers around you? then I will be ejected from that environment, I'm sure. How so? Because uh, if, if that, I think if, if that is the case, then it, and I follow these principles, then it'll obviously, and then I'll, I'll run into, I'll run into conflict with the senior people, right? Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm willing to do that because not doing that just puts me back into the same hole, right? Yeah. And I, I'm at the point. I'm at the point where I'm tired of beating my head against the wall. Like something's got to change. I either go to that mountain, I either win the lottery, or I go to that sell everything, go to the mountain cave, right? Or I try this, or I come and, and crash out at your place for a couple of years. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna be. On, I'm gonna be on that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> the apartment will be free. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna. Yeah, that's that. interesting. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear how it goes. I, 
you know, it's, it's funny. It just seems to me that it's a, what Justin said, that the two goals are, are, are not collaborative in themselves. Justin, you put it better. I can't remember your exact words, but the thought is there. It's just, I can't phrase it, but you um, said it perfectly. Yeah. The, the cause and effect thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, yeah. So, um, the effect it's good thing uh, we got is, this on tape. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I was thinking we should pull space balls here where we put in the videotape and watch it and say, okay, we'll never watch that scene again. Or I've only done that with 16 podcasts now. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so the, so you want the effect of enlightenment, um, uh, so you have to do the causes that cause enlightenment, that yes. cause the effect of enlightenment. Um, and working in a corporation uh, does not cause the effect of enlightenment. That's exactly it. And that, I, think that's, I think that's where I'm coming from, Anthony. I think that says it best for what I think. But I'd love to be proven wrong because that would be great. Okay. It, I mean, uh, some like really like um, we were talking with somebody uh, um, uh who were we talking about about Google and um, their original and it's still their their slogan. Their slogan is uh, "Don't be evil." And, um, but and we're like talking about right huh? Graham, the yeah, yeah. Pr- production manager of Lush. But that's not Graham. Tim. Oh, Tim. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a different topic. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, and it's like it's almost like once you become like because back in the day they were just the search engine like. Before before 2004, they were just a search engine, this small company, um, and now they're one of they're them and Apple and a couple of others and Microsoft. There, um, they rival top ten countries in terms of their their power and and, and reach and, and stuff. And um, and it's um, it's almost like it, it's almost innate with that power that that it, it because it like it affects them and 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 once you become this this really big company you just become a, a nasty um uh um you're, you're basically essentially what, what you're doing is you're once you become a big company you want to make sure that no other company can knock you off the, the pedestal and in order to do that you have to do shady stuff that that like like suing smaller companies and stuff it's like why would you do that it's like well, because um, they're an up-and-coming company and they could knock us off the pedestal. Like, it only, it only makes sense for them to start being kind of, like, shady and, 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 and nasty and, like, in their nature. And, and it's the same case with medium-sized companies doing it to small companies and small companies doing it to startups. And, um, and it, it's almost like with that power comes, comes this, this negative energy of some sort. Yeah. Yes. So... So you guys should you guys should quit and uh, start <laughs> <your> own <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna be a pickup coach in Las Vegas. You should, but I need to be fun. coached on that. I need to be coached on that first because I I don't know how to do that. <laughs> it's super easy. You just you take the a, a nerdy person and you say go talk to that girl and then they go I'm scared and then you go stop being a pussy and you <laughs> shove them over there. <laughs> No wonder you and Anthony are friends. <laughs> That's good. Anthony, That's cool. go meditate. I'm scared. I'm pussy. <laughs> Two more hours. Fuck you. <laughs> Speaking of which, we miss meditation. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. 
So Sharif, uh, one of the things that uh, you mentioned is that you're moved by anything that you experience that's harmonious, like collaborations, the workplace, a great show. Um, have you found this podcast to be harmonious? Yeah, actually it has been. Um, it, this has been fun. Yeah, it has we're, been fun. We're, yeah, and we're exploring different thoughts that I think are going to help people, perhaps, or at least have them think about stuff that's, that may be helpful for them. Right. Um, and it's helped me, for sure. Well, I, I think that's the most important thing, the last statement, is we, we do this for ourselves more than pe other people listening, right? We were doing this because we're talking about topics that we want to talk about and learning things in the process, um, which is the, the, the most important thing. Hopefully other people will get value of that, but as long as we get value of it, the podcast will keep uh, going and we will keep growing. And that's really like, that's really the reason we started these podcasts is to talk to people like you, intelligent people who are doing things in their life that could add to our, you know, experiences of life and help us grow. And I definitely think this podcast has fit into that, that category has achieved and, that. Answer. And Me we too. definitely, we definitely do a little uh, gauging in terms of, um, uh, whether we think the podcast went well or, or whether it needed improvement based on uh, we check the time. And when we try to see if, if an hour and a half felt like 15 or 20 minutes, then, then we think that we did a pretty good job because uh, uh, and, yeah. and time definitely flew by in this one because I checked those like uh, at 1230 and then I was like, it, it, it can't be past one yet. And it's almost one. It's one thirty already. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, that I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Right. Huh. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. What happens when you meditate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get in the zone. Yeah, this is good stuff. So Thank the, you. the last thing I'd like to bring up is uh, another. There's more? Another I mean, it's an hour and a half, it's a, Anthony. It's another statement. <laughs> I, I, th I think I'm going to like etch, get, a, get a tattoo with this. The statement is, it seems the only thing in my way is layer upon layer of myself. Yeah. I love that. Who wrote that? Whoever wrote that is one wise person. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a statue person somewhere. Like a Greek statue. Yeah. I, I, I think that's been said by many people over the years or since, yeah. But that's, that's my problem, as I'm in the way of myself. That's everyone's problem. Always. Yeah. So we should have a support. We should set up a support group, Sharif. People wanting to leave corporations and keep their, you know, their uh, affluent lifestyles. You guys can set up or, a corporation for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or the yeah, exactly. Or the people that made it this far in the podcast, they'll they'll be calling or emailing and saying, "Yeah, how do I get Sharif out of my way?" <laughs> That's what he said. The only thing in my way is that Sharif guy. <laughs> <laughs> layer upon layer of Sharif. Man, man, you is somebody. That sounds like, one like a bad spell. <laughs> well, Sharif, yeah. thanks for being part of this podcast. It's been fun. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. All right. Talk Take to you. Yeah, bye.